Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. Hustle is defined as to have courage, confidence, self-belief, and self-determination to go out there and work it out until you find the opportunities you want in life. Today's guest on the Leadership is Female podcast defines this definition, Lara Overton. From a track and field cross-country athlete at D1 Indiana University, she worked her way from walk-on to team captain. Now she's hustling through her career, making herself available for every opportunity that comes her way. How's she doing it? One word, hustle. She'll talk us through taking extra assignments, staying late to learn from others, and going back to her core as a fitness trainer to discover who she is and who she wants to be in each iteration of her career. Today's episode is both fun and inspiring. Today, Lara Overton is host, reporter, and producer for the Indianapolis Colts. She'll review how she made it, how to connect with athletes and coaches to get the real story, and how to define what you want in your career without including a job title in that definition, which she believes is the key to success. Join us on episode 30. Let's go. All right, today on the Leadership is Female podcast, we're so happy to have Lara Overton, a host, reporter, and producer for the Indianapolis Colts. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to to get to share with you and have this fantastic conversation that hopefully a lot of people get to enjoy and gain some benefit and insight from. I am sure. And so I would love for you to kick us off by introducing yourself, who you are, what you do, and how you got there. So I have now been with the Indianapolis Colts almost two years. It'll be two years this summer, so probably closer to a year and a half. And my role is all-encompassing. You kind of mentioned those three titles that I hold, so producer, reporter, and host. So it really varies, you know, over the course of of the season from doing things like hosting our weekly podcast. I do our sidelines for radio, for our radio broadcasts on game days. I host a weekly show. And then the off season, I, I mean, I'm doing producing year round, but in particular in the off season, I produce a number of our different series that we do things like with the next pick that's behind the scenes of our draft process. Um, we have a couple other uh, series like Colts Life, which profiles our players when they go back to their hometowns. Colts Forever is where we go and catch up with some of our alumni players. We have uh, Behind the Colts, that is a little bit more inside the intricacies day in and day out of football, somewhat of like the hard knocks style format, if you think about it that way. Um, so we have another series called Director's Cut. And that is where we sit players down. We do a lot of this during the season, sit players down and have them go through, break down a specific play 
um, that is so much fun. And it's one of the best ways for me to learn a next level of football and learn a better perspective on football. And then always just trying to think of those, those new ideas that we're trying to come up with, not only for Colts fans to enjoy, but football fans and people who are around central Indiana and, and nationwide who want to get to know our players better, get to know the organization better. So I grew up in new Albany, Indiana, like just outside of Louisville, Kentucky. So I am pretty much a born and raised Hoosier. So to now um, be here with the Colts to have spent my career, uh, for the most part, you know, within 200 miles or so of my hometown is an incredible opportunity. I've been so, so lucky and it's been, you know, all in, you know, kind of a 15 year journey going from studying journalism, coming out of college and everything to where we are now. Yeah. And you really got off to a great start in your career, were able to stay, like you said, within that 200 mile radius working in Louisville and then with the Pacers and then with Fox and now a reporter with the Colts. Um, breaking into journalism is tough. So tell us more about how you did it. Well, one of the things I'm really fortunate uh, for is that both of my parents, my mom and dad were both coaches when I was growing up. And I just thought that that's kind of, it was like, school was done, you go to practice and then you go home. Like there was always, you know, year round, there were sports going on between things I was involved in, my sisters, my parents, and uh, my mom, she coached cheerleading at the college level. She was the cheerleading coach at the University of Louisville. So I would sit on the sidelines during football and basketball games. And that was, you know, such an impactful part of my childhood. And I continued competing, running track and cross country all through college, majored, majored in journalism. And as much as I looked at different opportunities from a reporting perspective with the journalism, thinking about writing, thinking about doing more of a news angle, because I also studied political science and there were a lot of intriguing aspects to that. When I had a fifth year of eligibility in track, I decided to get a master's degree in sports marketing and management because I started to feel that I wanted to go the direction eventually of being more sports centric, whether that meant from a journalism perspective or if that was more sponsorship, marketing, PR, any of that aspect as well. Those were all incredibly um, interesting options for me. And I just knew that even when I was done, when my athletic career had come to a close as a college athlete, it was still going to be such a big part of my life. And I, out of college, was sending my resume tape you know, all over the place. And, you know, you, this is back when, before you had links, even, you know, I had a DVD that you would print, you know, you would like label and send it and just hope that some news director would pop it in a DVD player and give you a chance. And I fortunately knew how tough the market was going to be coming out of school. So I'd also gotten a personal training certification. And while I was applying for jobs in TV, I was working as a fitness specialist at it's um, a wellness center in Louisville. So I was doing that while I was sending out my resume tapes and lo and behold, I had interned for WDRB News, Fox 41 in Louisville. And a photographer, videographer who I'd worked with came in to shoot something at the wellness center I was working at. And he was said, I didn't realize you were back in town. Have you talked to anybody at the station? And I was like, no, not really, because I didn't see any jobs posted, right? Like I hadn't seen anything to apply for. So I didn't want to go and nag. And if there wasn't anything that I would be able to apply for or interview for. 
And he said, well, he kind of explained to me in the two years since I'd interned, people had moved around a little bit. The former executive producer had been promoted to the news director. The producer who I worked really closely with was the assistant news director. So I reached out and I go in and I sit down with the news director who knew me from my time as an intern. And he's like, look, I know, I know that you want to be on air and you want to do sports. That's great. I don't have anything for you in sports. I've got a fully staffed sports department back there, but I need someone, I need an associate producer on the morning show. So here's the deal. You can come in and work 2.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m., Monday to Friday, and you know, write, help produce, help with guests, all the things that you do on a morning show. And I was like, okay, this sounds like a pretty good deal. And, you know, the morning show went from like 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. Um, and he said, what you can do is that time once, you know, after, aside from your morning show duties, you can come in nights and weekends and help the sports staff doing things like shooting high school football, high school basketball highlights. And so I could hone those skills because the three guys in the sports department were so fantastic about taking me under their wings and teaching me how to be a better shooter, how to write better highlights, doing all of those things. So I had built in the mentors back in the sports department who helped me learn all of those critical foundational skills that you need in local news. So I would volunteer any chance that I had to shoot a story, to turn a package, all of that. And Eventually, I accumulated enough of a, a resume tape that was updated from just the work I'd done in college with things that were, you know, high school sports around Louisville, which are, you know, major. You've got University of Louisville, University of Kentucky, they cover IU. So I even did some IU football on there. And being that I had run track and cross country at Indiana, it coincided with the launch of the Big Ten Network. So I worked with an agent and he helped me get my foot in the door there. So I go and break in and start working at Big Ten Network um, just as a freelancer. Like, a, you know, I get like a, a handful of college football games. And the very first weekend, I had an IU game on Thursday night and a Purdue game on Saturday. And I re really quickly realized that I needed those reps. I needed to be doing it every single day. I mean, the first time I was on live, I was doing a college football game on the sidelines. And it was an incredible learning experience in terms of, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And as much as you can watch and see what sideline reporters do, there wasn't necessarily like a, there wasn't a training system, right? To kind of get you ready. You have to learn by doing it. And I did that first season of, of college football and knew I needed more reps, knew I needed to be on air more routinely, needed to do a variety of things, not just know how to report and cover live events, but also turn better packages, write better, learn how to be better at the anchor desk, learn how to host a show. So I went to, had an opportunity, a wonderful opportunity, uh, thanks to some of my very close friends from college who were working in Terre Haute, and they worked for Channel 2, WTWO, and they needed a weekend sports anchor. So I went there and was the weekend sports anchor and sports reporter for a year. Ended up having another um, few football games with Big Ten Network. And then that's where I made the leap to Indianapolis. But it was, and I mean leap, it was a leap because it was a leap of faith. I didn't have anything full-time lined up. I was, mere, I was merely going off of 
I had a couple of contacts here, a couple of contacts there. I had a couple of freelance opportunities that I would use. I would supplement when I could by doing some of the personal training stuff that I had that background. So that helped in between doing on air, you know, gigs that I had. That is what brought me to Indie back in 2010. And then I've been here ever since and doing a lot of work with the Pacers, with Fox Sports with ESPN. And um, because of my time with the Pacers, I was introduced to the news director at the time at Fox 59, uh, WXIN here in Indy. And he helped me, again, go back to that morning show, um, that morning show foundation that I had, and I was doing traffic. So I did traffic when there was opportunity in sports, I went to sports. And then when there was the opportunity here as the team reporter for the Colts, I went from Fox 59 to come over here, which was nice because Fox 59 and CBS Sports, the duopoly, they're the partners of the Colts. So it was a really great way that I'd already covered the team so much. I had hosted a show over here, a weekly show for the Colts for a period of time. I'd been their silent reporter for preseason football. So it was just an incredible a really easy transition into the role I'm in now. But yeah, seriously, I mean, my parents, uh, my mom and my stepdad are in New Albany, Indiana, which is just outside of Louisville. My sisters and my dad and stepmom are all in Louisville. So from where I am now, it's uh, it's less than a two hour drive. When I was in Terre Haute, it was about three hours. And that's the longest that I've kind of had to be away. Now there've been a lot of like longer trips along the way doing freelance opportunities and things where, you know, I last year, right around this time before everything really shut down, I was on a stretch of eight straight weeks of travel for various assignments and different things. But I've been so fortunate to, you know, call the Hoosier State home base and be able to stay here in proximity and to somewhat have a little bit of that work-life balance that I think we all are constantly looking to achieve at times it's easier and, and more balanced than others. Yeah. And I think your story is really the story of an athlete and a hustler. So you have taken the opportunity when it became available, including the extra things after hours on the weekends in the middle yeah. of the night with these yeah. shows, you've had a willingness to learn from others. So no ego there, just coming in and um, ready to absorb whatever somebody's ready to teach you. And then also learning on the job, like being brave enough to your first opportunity, take that microphone on the sidelines and just do it. It's really an incredible story. And it's no surprise, you know, that you found the success that you have because, because of the, that hustler athlete mentality. I appreciate that so much. And I think that I, when I was running, when I, I guess even when I was looking at where I wanted to run, I wanted to go to Indiana because I knew I would be able to run at a big 10 school. I had far more talented, um, faster athletes surrounding me, my teammates, you know, their, their times and everything were, you know, light years beyond where I was, but I had an opportunity to go to Indiana um, because of the journalism school. And also the coach was allowing me to come on, you know, initially as a walk-on. And for me, I felt like that I wanted to go to a place where I would be surrounded by people who would challenge me to bring out 
the best in me and push me outside of my comfort zone to reach that potential. And I was so grateful to have coach Wilson, who is someone who she was my college coach. I talk to her every month. Probably I see her when she's in town. She's one of my mentors, not just in sports, in life and everything. And I had incredible teammates who are still my closest friends to this day who it was hard. I mean, it was hard. There were days that were, you know, so hard when you are talking about track and cross country, it's year round. You have cross country in the fall, indoor track in the spring, outdoor track or indoor track in the winter into the spring. And then outdoor track is spring into summer. And it was, I mean, there were times, there was one time I thought I was going to quit. I was just kind of done. I thought I had thought that I was burnt out. Um, and just at that point, you know, I would get to those points where you're like, okay, maybe I'm over this. And then you'd have that breakthrough. And mm -hmm. I saw that all through college. And I think that instilled in me that insatiable hunger to keep doing it on a professional level. And I coming out of college and a couple years out, having a few years working in the business, working in TV and getting that first live air, live on air opportunity, I needed to see, I wanted to see what it was going to take to get to that level, to be good at that level. And I needed to take a bit of a leap just to see if that was really what I wanted to do. And then also figure out what it was going to take to be as good as I needed to be. And I'd interned at ESPN. So I had worked around people who have the highest standard and the highest expectation. And I wanted to, you know, hold myself to that, even if I, you know, lacked experience um, by not having, you know, uh, multiple seasons or, or multiple years working for a station under my belt, I wanted to go out there and to challenge myself. And it, you know, there, it's, it's risky because, you know, certainly there are things where I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was so green. I should have done this better. I could have been so much more polished, but also it's like, you, you took that chance, you put yourself out there. And if I hadn't, I don't know what would have happened after that. It's some, you know, kind of like my, my track career when I would take a chance in a race and run with somebody who I knew was more talented than I was, or I knew who had run faster. Well, you, I was only going to get faster by attempting it. You're only mm -hmm. going to achieve and find success if you're willing to, to take those leaps and put yourself out there and put yourself in that space that is sometimes scary. Yeah. And what's coming to mind too, is the pursuit of excellence. And I know that when you went to IU, you walked on and then finished as a captain of the team. Yeah. So, I mean, your story is really, it's really about that pursuit of, of excellence, that hustler, and then you'll, you'll achieve and find success when you go for it, go after it, being brave and, and having that courage. And just really nagging people a lot and not backing <laughs> down and making, you know, making people be like, Hey, I'm still here. Can you, can you look at this story? Can you watch this? Hi, I'm around. Just keep me in mind. Like kind of that's, that was the thing is I, I think that I was a little bit relentless in, in all, in all aspects and all facets um, thing. That's a theme, I think. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of relentless list. I'm sure that that's very helpful when you're chasing a story. So can you tell us about the best story or event that you've covered so far in your career? 
there are there are so many i mean there are so many stories that i have been really proud of that we have done and this goes back to i mean coming from a live events perspective being able to cover the NCAA track and field championships that was an experience for me as somebody who you know, has such a passion for that sport and who someday I hope that one of those things that I have my eye on is attempting to at some point be able to be part of an Olympic track and field broadcast. So being able to be involved on NCAA broadcast and, and work on ESPN when I interned for the network, that was significant for me here with the Indianapolis Colts. So many stories that I've been proud of that we have been able to do recently um, Black Lives Matter over the summer. And we sat down our players. We sat down people from um, across our front office from the business side and were able to have incredibly impactful, meaningful conversations that this organization and really most of the NFL hadn't yet had. And it was an opportunity for me to use what's an incredible privilege of, of working for a team and having the access to ask questions that were incredibly painful, incredibly personal in some aspects and have these people trust me and trust us in our, in our production department to put these stories together on something that is so sensitive, but also so necessary. And th those are that was something that when we put out our Black Lives Matter video this summer, um, I told one of my colleagues, this might be the most important project we work on all year, like aside from covering games. And, you know, that's incredibly important, right? But this was something that extended well beyond football. And it is, it's something that I look back on and I'm so proud of the finished product um, and for how so many people across our organization, coaches, players, my colleagues here over on the business side, how they used their voices. And also just for me, it was, I was changed internally after listening to being part of those conversations just from facilitating the interviews and asking the questions and prompting those questions. And I think I still, I think, I think that, you know, that you have done meaningful work when it's something that you reflect upon and you know, that it has made you better, whether that's from a professional aspect or that's made you just better individually and I am, I'm so grateful for that experience. And I, I think that that piece was, was really, really strong and something that for me, I saw, was able to speak to our players and connect with them on a completely different level. And that really opened a lot of doors um, in terms of different conversations that were had because of that. And all, also opened a lot of people's eyes. And it's something that we now know that we need to continue to do and continue to put effort behind these social justice initiatives and utilizing all the talented people that we have in our in our department to help support 
the organization's efforts, the NFL's efforts and our players and coaches efforts. I'm so happy that you brought that up. It's 2020. We're going to touch on what Colts coverage was like during the pandemic. Um, but I'm so happy to hear about elevating the voices during the, to hear that it is an ongoing conversation is I believe our most important takeaway from 2020. Mm -hmm. The conversation doesn't stay in that year. It continues to roll forward, elevate the storytelling doesn't stop. And we do our best to, to keep that moving forward towards equity. Absolutely. And it's, you know, that's the one thing is that we also, you know, we're forced to take a breath and to pay attention to things we hadn't before. And, it, you know, there, there, it's one thing that if anything, the last 12 months has given us is its perspective. Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. You guys, we have a new website, leadershipisfemale.com. Please visit us and know that we are here to help get you to the top faster. Are you a career female looking for an edge? Are you looking for answers on how you can level up? Our purpose is to bring interviews with female leaders in sports each week through this podcast, Leadership is Female, so you can uncover opportunities, hear tips to elevate your career, Learn from our mistakes and successes so that you can get to the top faster. We're giving you all the advice we know now that we wish we knew then. We're extending a hand back to lead you forward. Let's go. Visit leadershipisfemale.com. Join our newsletter. Check out all the episodes of the podcast and stay tuned for more resources to lead you forward. Leadershipisfemale.com. You have an athletic mindset. You are tough and yet calm under pressure. You are a leader, a hard worker, and a believer in the process. Now is time to put it all together. Athletes seek an edge, and the Win Again Academy will give you just that. Visit markmoyer.com slash winagain-academy. Register today for a virtual networking event in the club room. You won't believe the people you'll meet. Personally, it's the best virtual networking event platform I have ever used and most connected event I have attended. Visit markmoyer.com slash winagain academy. You must be very much looking forward to what could be a more normal season in 2021 uh, for the Indianapolis. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But tell us about 2020. Give us a little bit of the behind the scenes look. I, I know we saw it on TV, you know, the distance between the yeah. and the athlete and the Zoom video coverage. Uh, give us a little bit of insight on what that was like for you. Um, it was it was one thing that I mean, no one expected, and we certainly didn't because we had plans to, we had done two of our Colts life shoots in February and early March. And then we had more planned. We were going to be doing shoots all spring long where we go and go to our players' hometowns, learn about their families, where they grew up, um, you know, their mentors, the people who have... Um, you know, helped navigate their journeys to the NFL and made them the men who they are. And we, you know, we get back from one of those trips and it's like 
all trips are canceled. Like that's it. Like everything. So we immediately were like, okay, we've got a couple of things that we had banked, a couple of shoots that we'd done that we could work on and produce. So I immediately hunkered down and my role in producing for our Cold Life series is doing the interviews when we're on site. And then when we get back, collaborating with our videographers and our content creation specialists and figuring out what path is this going to take? What stories are we telling and going through and picking out the best parts of the interviews and doing all of that? Well, you know, we had also, the good thing was we'd gotten through combine. So we had combine content that we had, we had a little bit of cult, we had a little bit of cult life shot, but we have this entire draft series. That's like a four part draft series. And our guys who were shooting the draft series while we were shooting Colts life were out at Clemson on a pro day. And it's like, uh, uh-uh, everybody get back. You're we're done. Like pro days are done all of that. So we took a complete 180 and are like, okay, we still have two episodes to do of this series without being able to go out and necessarily, and we didn't know what's the draft going to look like. So it was one big pivot all the way around. I mean, I ended up doing our draft show from my living room. I had like a bookcase behind me that is, I have an older house. My husband, I have an older house in Indy. So it's got some of those, you know, cool, funky features. It also has a lot of like headache things that come along with having an older home. But one of the cool features is our staircase has that built-in bookshelf right below it. So I'm setting all that up and putting like, you know, my Colts football and a Reggie Wayne bobblehead and books and, you know, everything around there. And so for the three days of the draft, we're doing all these interviews and everything. And I'm set up in the middle of my living room. Like my husband can't use our living room. It's like off limits. Like this is, it's like seriously like a construction zone. So he's trying to like go around, avoid getting all the things, trying to keep the dog from barking. Um, I mean, it was so wild because we're so fortunate that I think in this business, you oftentimes love what you do because of the people you get to work with. Like I love coming in and being able to learn from the coworkers who I have around here, bounce ideas, brainstorm, all of that. And for, you know, that latter half of March, all of April, all of May, all of June and the majority of July, we were all at home. And it's, it became one of those things where I felt so limited in what I was able to do. And it was frustrating because I didn't have, we didn't have our nucleus of people where I could go and be like, okay, we've got to think about what we're going to do creatively here. And sure we would do Zoom meetings or, or different things to do all that brainstorming, but we were restricted in exactly what we could execute to some degree. And then over the summer, uh, I got married. So I guess it did help me. I did have a little bit more time dedicated toward attempting to pull off a pandemic wedding, which was, a, that could be a, you know, a whole nother podcast in and of itself, got married. And then the next week we were able to come back into the offices. So we were here through training camp, no preseason games, which was disappointing because I usually do our TV broadcasts. I'm our silent reporter for our TV broadcast. So none of those. And, you know, that's something that I really enjoy. I do our radio sidelines and they're is a big difference. And that's something I was ignorant to coming in as I thought just all sidelines, 
you know, kind of felt the same. Well, radio sidelines are a different beast because you're not leaning on the visual as much. And it's more of a fleet free flowing conversation because our play-by-play guy will just impromptu toss it down to me sometimes to get perspective or insight without having like a, okay, we're in a commercial break. Okay. We're going to come out. You're going to set this up and then we'll go to Lara for, you don't have this. There's not as calculated. But the, the biggest difference is when we got to the season, I couldn't go out to practice. Um, I watched practice from the roof of the building because I wasn't within the tiers. Um, I, on game days, would be in the moat. So I was in the first row of the bleachers. I would roam back and forth. Um, that was interesting because I we had to figure out a way to get to do interviews with the guys. We always do interviews with the players in the event of a win. So we had to find like, a, you know, an, an extra microphone set up and a way to get the interviews differently. And I had to hand off the, that microphone to our PR guy. So our PR guy could take it to the player and do that. And then for hosting a show, we have a half hour show, half hour weekly show that airs on Fox 59 and CBS4 that I host. And every week we would have a player guest and we would interview Coach Reich. We would typically either bring them back to the studio or go out to the practice field and do it out there. None of that. Everything there had to be all on Zoom. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those things that I look back on and I'm like, how wild is it that as soon as Philip Rivers signed as a free agent, we did a great like FaceTime interview with him. And I'm like, hey, can't wait to see you when you get in the building and hopefully sooner rather than later, certainly training camp, you know, Philip was our quarterback for an entire season. I never spoke to him in face, like face to face, never spoke to him in person. It's so wild how that happens. I mean, the other thing was as a sideline reporter, you rely so much. I mean, you prepare storylines and you have all that going in, but you rely so much on reacting to what you're picking up literally on the sidelines, how the bench is reacting to something, a conversation that you might be able to hear, whatever it is. You know, I'm dangling myself kind of over the rail, you know, between our stands and trying to get as close as possible to the field and get different things. And it was different too, because you had to get creative to find stories and angles and information that not everyone had, because everyone can log on to the media availability Zoom call And for me, the challenge was those fans who are listening to a radio broadcast are going to be some of the most dedicated, committed, knowledgeable fans out there. They've listened to every interview. They've watched everything on .com. They've, you know, watched the TV shows leading up to. How do I deliver them something that they haven't already heard over the course of the week? Like, oh, okay. Like they're, you know, Darius Leonard was dissed because you know, Aaron Rodgers said that there was, someone else was the best linebacker in the league. Oh, well, everyone had that story. So what, what am I going to do different with Darius or, you know, some sort of um, storyline from our defense and attacking Aaron Rodgers that isn't centered around the same stuff everyone else had. So I relied a lot on our PR department. God bless them. They earned every cent of their paycheck plus some this year. Um, so I would just try to find ways to get guys on the phone, um, just one-on-one, ask five questions, take five minutes, to do things in addition to, because what I would typically rely on is walking in the locker room, wandering around, finding things that were unique um, and off the cuff. And we didn't have 
that opportunity, that privilege, that access this year. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, do you have any tips where so many of us are working and having meetings through Zoom or Teams virtually over the phone where we'd have a chance to build in a normal time rapport person to person? So do you have any tips for relationship building, building rapport with people when you're working through a screen? It's that's such a great question and it's such a work in progress. One of the things that I found has helped a little bit is if you have, if your coaches or athletes or whoever are active on social media, I would keep an eye on, you know, what they were doing now, not that they were doing, anyone was doing a whole heck of a lot this year, but just you know, things that they would share about their families or things that they liked to do away from the facility. Like a few of our guys are big into golf. So that was one of the, one of the activities you could actually safely do over, you know, the course of this summer. So a lot of them would do, would do that. Or, you know, if a player had, had welcomed a new baby, or if a player had gotten married or whatever they were sharing, a couple of our guys, um, one of our guys, Ben Banigo, picked up, he honed his cooking skills and he's like gourmet to the point that he was delivering meals to guys at the complex. He would like cook dinners for him and things. So trying to keep an eye on that was, is something that, and then I would ask about it, whether it was within the actual interview or if it was just, Hey, we have three or four minutes while we're getting everything set up or whatever. Those types of things were helpful Mm -hmm. uh, to me in terms of either forming relationships or furthering relationships. The other thing is attempting to build a little bit of time with whoever it's you're coordinating with, if it's with your interview subject directly, or if it's with your PR team, building in maybe five more minutes than what you actually need. Let's say the interview is 10 minutes, just ask for 15 so that when that person sits down, it's not just, okay, we got to get hit the ground running. Let's just, you know, get straight to it. Have the opportunity to just, you know, quick things. Hey, uh, how's your day? What's next for you? What, where are you headed to now? Are you going to lift? Do you have rehab? What's going on? Um, did you watch anything good? You know, a lot of things, I mean, you everyone, everyone was binging things or listening to podcasts. Ask them what they're listening to, what they're watching, different things like that rather than just using the interview for the interview itself, if you have that allotted time, pad that a little bit with a little buffer time front end, especially the front end, because typically on the back end, when they're done, it's kind of quickly wrapping up. So try to just take three or four questions before you get into the meat of your interview, even before you're recording, just to ask those types of questions. Like yeah, I think one thing I... Yeah. One thing I found out this year with coach Reich, coach Reich sat down and we had to, he had to come later than we typically would interview him. And he's like, Hey, I appreciate the flexibility. I had to go to a baptism. And I was like, Oh, like fantastic. Like that, that's great. Um, I said, was it for one of the guys? Like just out of curiosity. And he's like, yeah, it was DeForest Buckner. And I said, well, like how, how special is that for you to, that he, he invited you to be there. And he's like, yeah, he's like, this, it was, you know, so wonderful for him. It was really important to him. And like, we had this just really genuine moment that had nothing to do with football, but it was just a way to connect. And coach Reich's very strong in his faith. And um, that was something that was a big priority to DeForest to have 
Coach Wright there. So that was just a neat thing. Like it was all, and that all came about purely because we had to move the interview and he was like, oh, I had to go do this. I was just kind of, you know, I didn't want to be intrusive, but just being aware rather than saying, oh, no big deal. Let's just roll into the interview, asking a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. And, and then DeForest ended up sharing about it on his social media, but that was a really neat thing. That was something that was, you know, a big, important, um, um, life event, you know, for him. Yeah. And what you, what you shared there in terms of building rapport virtually, if you have access to social media, check it out ahead of time, do your research. So similar principles to when we're meeting person to person, but maybe do a little bit more virtual discovery before you hop on the phone and, you know, also check out LinkedIn. If we're doing, if you're in, yeah, B2B meeting, you know, are there any articles that that person has posted lately? Take a look, take that time to do the research. And the second thing you said, yeah, and it's slowing down, taking a breath, asking the questions, being human, getting to know person to person. uh, That's so important, especially in the last year where we've lost a lot of that person to person connection Mm -hmm. about the individual doing the follow-up questions, not just skipping to the business right away. I think it's something that we're all craving. And so when you get a chance to talk to somebody who recognizes that, it's really special. The other thing too, is like, I know we hate like icebreaker type of things typically, but they do, they can serve like a purpose. Like I have had meetings where competing and I, I said, oh, what sport? And he says, swimming. Her conference championships are actually this weekend. He said, she's no longer in Arizona State. She's not in Hawaii. But he's like, I'm not sure when this is going to air. But yeah, she's a swimmer. We're really excited. And so it was a, a, it was fun because he lit up talking about being a dad and a proud dad and his daughter. And so just if I have just been like, oh, yeah, oh, your daughter's in Arizona State. And we just kept it moving straight to football. That wouldn't have created this new layer of that. So just digging in and asking those, those type of follow-up questions when they're presented, even within the confines of the, this, this strict meeting or the strict interview yeah. that you have, because you can create a really special moment from that. Well, that would be one for me too. I've got a ring light in my um, office and it also has a, you've gotten on a zoom call, like, I mean, small, like if it's, you know, six people, something like that, um, especially if it's people who relatively know each other, but bring something that you discovered in quarantine. Like what's your favorite, what was your favorite like quarantine purchase, whether it was like a new food item, some sort of something for your house, whatever it was. And so it was like a show and tell, but it was just a fun way to like have a meeting and do something a little bit different off the top. And there were things that people were like, like I was talking about like the ring light was my lifesaver. And so I was showing off my $30 Amazon ring light and I got like three or four texts afterwards. Like, can you send that link actually? A cradle on there to hold your cell phone before I'd been using like a coffee cup that had pens in it and like trying to balance my phone if I needed the phone for a video call and the computer for something else. And so that's been a game changer. And for me, the other one I would say is I've got this whisk for my coffee it's like literally the best under $20 Amazon purchase I've ever made. Is it like the froth? Does it froth? Yes, is that kind of what it, it is? does? Even with just almond milk and like black coffee, it creates a froth on the top. And then I add in, there's like a MCT oil, like yeah. thing that, that I like to add, but that is game changing. I literally, I've traveled just a small handful of times in the last year and it comes in my suitcase because <laughs> I'm that addicted. 
That is incredible. You are going to actually have to send me that link because I've seen a few like influencer bloggers post about them. And I was like, ah, is this, is this? I mean, do I need it? And I am a coffee person. So anything yes. I can do to elevate my coffee game is, is a priority in my house for sure. Yeah. We might have to post the ring light link yes! and, the, and the coffee, um, whisk in the show notes here. Absolutely. Because I I love that. I know we've got a lot of coffee drinkers and ring light users that are consuming this podcast. For sure. (laughs) So before we hit record today, you were telling me that you had a tipping point in your career that you wanted to tell our listeners about. So please do. Yeah, I was, I had been at Fox 59 I had been, let's see, I did two years on, two years on the morning show, like two and a half to three years into sport. So, you know, right around like five, about the five-year mark of being at the station in a couple of different roles. I was discouraged because I wasn't seeing that there was going to be a way to necessarily like move up there. Um, I felt like that there was a little bit of a cap on what I'd done, mainly because I loved the aspects of the job that I loved. I loved like the longer form storytelling, Um, you know, like think total, like 30 for 30. I loved that aspect. Think Tom Rinaldi, right? Jeremy Schaap, like those type of ESPN pieces. Not that I am anywhere near the caliber of what those guys do and, you know, the work that they produce. But those were the things I was really inspired by. I loved the longer form storytelling. I loved the live events coverage. I loved an element of the hosting. I've shifted my focus from thinking about a a specific job to thinking about what I want my role to entail. Instead of thinking of a job title, like many people do. And there's nothing wrong with that. If having that clear picture and having that target is exactly what you need, that's awesome. For me, that felt daunting or restrictive. So I started thinking about what I wanted that role to look like, what I wanted those traits of that role to entail. And I said, I want a role that allows me to do live events coverage. I want to do, I want to report and do live events. I want to have some element of, of hosting kind of an in-studio dynamic. And I want to work on longer form impactful pieces. And she goes, well, where does that exist? And I was like, it doesn't. And I was pretty discouraged at that point because I didn't see it happening. I hadn't seen it anywhere. And I was, you know, still doing a lot of my freelance work, but I started applying for jobs out of media completely. And I was looking at more marketing centric roles and doing a lot of interviews, um, like more in like a sponsorship side, more sales oriented. And there is an element of that, that I find incredibly, um, interesting and exciting, especially because it was a lot of pitching and being in front of people and, you know, thriving in that interpersonal dynamic and having great conversations and that. So, I mean, much like what you're doing, I mean, all you're doing when you put together a story or what I was doing is I was selling that product. I was selling that story for viewers to watch. People weren't necessarily paying their dollars for it, but they were spending their time, which is equally or more valuable. So I started applying and I was applying for a job interviewing for a role that I really thought I liked or really thought that I was going to get. And the guy who was a mentor of mine, he emailed me and he said, I know that you can do this job, but I just think that you're meant for something else. 
he said, I, you're, you're really good at what you're doing. And I think you need to stick with it. And it hurt to hear, like, it was discouraging because I was, so, I was so ready for an out. I was so ready to, I had gotten engaged and just was at that point where my life was to a point that I didn't want to do, you know, nights and weekends anymore. I was then anchoring the weekend show for CBS four. So I was anchoring, I was working Saturdays and Sundays, Thursdays and Fridays for my day off. And that was, that was hard for me because I knew that I needed, and not that this is a nine to five whatsoever, but I needed something to where I wasn't existing on, you know, evening newscast hours. So it took another year after that and still kind of grinding and looking and working really hard at what I was doing, but a lot of, a lot of self-reflection along the way. And one of the things I started doing was I went back to teaching some fitness classes. I teach a studio called Tread 415 because I realized what I needed to do in order to, you know, find the other side of that tipping point was reestablished that I was not solely identified as a TV sports reporter. I needed to remind myself that I had talents and skills and assets in something completely different. So for that 60 minutes, when I would go in and teach that class, I was able to be somebody different. I, I didn't have to, you know, worry, I certainly didn't have to worry about like, you know, my makeup and my hair and all those things. I was able to kind of be stripped down and um, just think about motivating people and encouraging people and helping them on a spectrum of, of wellness, both mentally and physically. And while I was struggling with a lot of those things myself, I was dealing with, um, you know, just kind of the, the anxiety of the unknown with, with my career and feeling like that my self-worth worth was tied up in what I did on TV and what I was doing as a on-air personality. And I needed that refresher um, to help me be more well-rounded and find other aspects, other passions that I had. And about a year later, about a year after I had that conversation where I said, I'm not going to talk about dream jobs anymore, this job came about. And my, my good friend, Caroline can was the previous reporter with the Colts. She was leaving to take a role with the Carolina Panthers as their team reporter. They were revamping the role a little bit. And I looked at the job description and it entailed all of those things that I had said about a year earlier to Kelly Tilly, who's our director of the cheer program here. And it took a little bit of speaking it into existence and manifesting it and a whole heck of a lot of patience and a whole lot of lack of understanding along the way. But that would be my advice to someone who feels like they're at that tipping point. Don't look at this is the job that's going to achieve what I need, or this is the job that's going to define my success. Look at the roles within it that you need to feel fulfilled. And those things, those aspects where you want to be challenged. And even if it doesn't exist, start looking at, it's almost like a, almost like that vision board, you're kind of puzzle piecing it together and taking those different aspects. And the other thing I was like, so worried to say it because I was like, people are going to laugh at me and be like, Oh, you're, you're a dreamer. You're not a realist. You know, all of those things. Like, don't be afraid 
to say it. What's the worst thing it's going to do is be like, oh, all right, like just keep moving on. But then you've said it. And guess what? It's really scary the first time you say, you say it, just like it was really scary when I tried to run you know, with the pack of girls who were faster than I was in track practice. It's scary the first time, but the first time you make this step, the second time gets a little bit easier and it gets a little bit more comfortable. And then you start to own that voice that says, this is what I want to do. And this is what I want to be. And this is how I want to do it and where. Amazing. Lara, I was like writing down all these notes to try to really just reiterate some of the beautiful points that you made. Cause I hear it a lot of times is that women tie up their self-worth in their career and their position in their job. You have to find a way to sort of divorce yourself from those two things. You are not your job. You are not your title. And the way that you did that was reestablishing a connection to something that you did before you were Lara, the reporter, Lara, the storyteller on camera. And that for you was personal training. Clarity comes from the vision of your career, not a specific role that you're chasing. And once you found the bravery to speak that truth and it sort of manifested itself and I mean, what a, what a great story. I'm so thankful that you shared that because there's so many people that are in that position today that wonder what's next, how do I get there? There's a lot of confusion about what that might be or how that might work. And so you've really laid out a really good pathway to walk down rediscovery of self, definition of what you want for your life, and then how to have the bravery to go after it. And it, for me, it was action. I needed to like take action. I needed to feel like I was making progress. And I've talked with a lot of other women who have said, you know, some people it's, it's more like journaling and spending time more in the quiet, or it's more meditative. There are all sorts of different ways to get there. It's not necessarily having to like, you know, take the action. Sometimes it's more intrinsic too. So it's so individual and such a personal thing um, in how you get there. But I'm sure that it is um, an avenue that I think can be beneficial for anyone who's dealing with that struggle. As much as I would love to continue to speak to you for another hour, um, I know. let's uh, lay down your favorite quote. This is how we finish every show. Through that discovery, you found out that uh, your words or somebody else's for our listeners. And this is a quote, this is all ties in. This is the common theme is this is a quote that I have rattled off while teaching my, my stretch for 15 class from time to time. It is. And it was something that I learned when I was at a, a cross-country camp back in high school. It's a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. And it says, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. You're able to say to yourself, I have, lived, I have lived through this horror. I can take the next thing that comes along. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. I love it so, so much. What a full circle interview to talk to you about hustling and bravery and self-discovery and the tipping points in your career and going after what you really want. And we're just so honored to have you and thank you for sharing your voice. I am so excited to be able to, this was so fun and I'm so honored and flattered that you asked me to come on and I look forward to, you know, sharing ring lights and coffee frothers <laughs> yes. and, you know, more quotes and everything moving forward. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Lara. Let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, you will only achieve and find success when you put yourself out there. Number two, be a hustler. 
take the after hours opportunities, have an intense willingness to learn from others, and learn by doing. Number three, on building rapport virtually. First, do your research. Look people up before your conversation. Second, build in a little more time than you need for the meeting to make room to first engage in small talk, to warm up the conversation, and get to know each other. And third, ask good questions, including personal questions. People inherently like to be seen and talk about themselves. Give them the chance. And number four, rather than pursuing a specific job title, be specific on what you want your role to entail. Gain clarity on the vision for your career. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.